Alright everyone, I just wanted to say that we have a new YouTube channel up uh, called Election uh, HQ, um, so uh, make sure to subscribe and check it out. Weekly, uh, as many of you know, uh, one of the uh, mo- what's expected to be one of the most closely watched uh, Senate races uh, in 2020 uh, is the main Senate race where Susan Collins is running for a fifth term, I believe, as a Republican. Um, that that race has gotten a lot of attention um, since uh, she controversially voted yes, uh, on Brett Kavanaugh, um, but, um, and we actually had one of the Democratic candidates on, Kathleen London, uh, who has since dropped out, she was on a previous episode, um, but there is one independent running, um, Danielle Van Helsing, uh, is hoping to be the first, uh, openly transgender, uh, member of Congress, and she joins me today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right. So the first question I have uh, is, uh, why do you want to be senator? Uh, one of the largest reasons is because, for one, Susan Collins has obviously stuck too closely to her party rather than her constituents. So I feel that I would be a better candidate. But I also... 
running because the fact that the current administration is constantly and shamelessly attacking the transgender community with the transmilitary ban. And there's several pieces of legislation around the country there supporting for trans bathroom bans. And there's even some legislation pushing for the removal of trans people from all medical coverage for religious basis. And these are the things that we need representation in government for. Being in local government isn't always enough. So I want to put a trans face in a federal office where we have the ability to make change on the nationwide level. All right. Um, now, you're running as an independent. Uh, do you fear uh, that uh, you could uh, play that? Could, do you fear that if somebody like, let's say, Susan Rice runs or Sarah Gideon, uh, you could play spoiler uh, and that might lead to Susan Collins winning re-election? I don't worry too much about it because the highest number of voter register, registered voters in the state of Maine are actually independent by almost 70 cents. And the vote will definitely be divided no matter what, because there is another person who's trying to get in as an independent without registering with the FEC, who is not appearing to be concerned about splitting votes, but we also have right choice voting in Maine now, which will cover the federal United States Senate election. And so pushing for first and second place actually kind of gives somebody in my position a little bit better of a chance because if it looks close enough by any means, then you can request a ranked choice reach out, which could in turn result in somebody who didn't necessarily win on the first count winning on the second count. Not a lot of people understand that ranked choice voting works, but it's hard to explain to people, but it supports the majority, and it's something that gives people who are running as independents outside of the party system a bit a chance to actually win, even up against millions and millions of dollars in someone in my position who has almost no funding at the moment. Now, how do you plan to uh, get more funding? I'm reaching out for endorsements like the Trans United Fund, which is the largest uh, trans-focused crowd pack in the United States. And also the Victory Fund, which is an LGBT support national endorsement. And then there are some local endorsements in the state where they'll offer some financial support as well as, you know, door-to-door canvassing, phone canvassing, stuff like that as well. So I'm pushing a lot towards the endorsement end because I've done a lot of political work around the state of the with a lot of organizations. So I have a pretty good chance of getting a lot of endorsements from a lot of the endorsement agencies within the state of Maine. And that's a huge boost. And right now I'm still just waiting to hear back from the Transunet Fund and the Victory Fund. They're awaiting board approval on whether or not they'll actually do it. Where it's so early on, a lot of places are kind of taking their time because 2020 election is still a year and a half away. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, is there any Democrat uh, in the primary or who may get in uh, that you are intending on supporting uh, for president? tremendous amount of people and, and you know, obviously I have some solid support for Bernie Sanders but I, it's hard for me to support the Democrats 
because I don't know who they're going to pick for the primaries because last year Hillary Clinton, I mean, the last election, Hillary Clinton definitely wasn't the first choice of the people, but they chose her anyway. So I'm kind of waiting to see who pushes through the primaries and who like, has the primaries approach, being who kind of starts looking more and more like they're actually going to remain and then start really looking into who might want to push the support. Um, now, uh, it's expected, uh, in 2020, uh, that Jared Golden, uh, the recently, uh, sworn in, uh, House, uh, member, uh, from Maine's first district, I believe, uh, first congressional district, uh, Democrat is expected, uh, to run for a second term in 2020, and he is expected, uh, if, assuming he does so, he is expected uh, to have a competitive race that year. Uh, do you plan to uh, endorse him? Absolutely. He has already been doing a wonderful job. He even openly supports the trans and greater LGBT community. He doesn't support things like Citizen United. Like, he is a progressive person, and he's definitely somebody I would support if he were to run again. And Bruce Pollockman was one of the worst congressmen I've ever interacted with. I even went to his office in Washington, D.C. once, and he refused to speak to anybody. So I like having somebody in office who's willing to work with constituents. <laughs> um, uh, now, if you get in, uh, you plan to... Uh, now, if you get in, do you plan to caucus with the Democrats... Um, okay, now, um, recently there was a, uh, a vote, uh, held on the floor, uh, of the U.S. Senate, uh, regarding, uh, the Green New Deal, um, and, uh, at, um, uh, the major- obviously it was voted down, um, every Republican, uh, plus three Democrats, uh, voted no on the Green New Deal. Uh, every other Democrat in the Senate uh, voted present. Uh, had you been in the Senate uh, during the time uh, of voting, how would you have voted? I would have voted in favor of that one. You wouldn't have voted present. What was that again? That's a little quiet. Uh, uh, would you have voted present uh, or yes? Because every... Democrat, except for the, uh, except, well, there were three Democrats that voted no. Every other Democrat voted present. Nobody voted yes uh, on the bill. Uh, would you have voted present or yes on the Green New Deal had uh, during that vote? I would have voted yes on that. I, I love the idea of it, and I was really hoping it would have gotten a lot more traction than it did. <laughs> um, now, if, um, if you get in, uh, if you end up winning, but Republicans uh, end up uh, keeping uh, a majority uh, in the U.S. Senate, how do you, um, what is your strategy to get things like uh, maybe transgender legislation passed uh, or transgender rights legislation passed, uh, Medicare for all, the Green New Deal? How do you plan to get those passed if you get in, but Republicans end up keeping the Senate? That's a tricky one because I know 
majority of the people holding the GOP seat are very focused on their profits and the profits of the lobbyists that push them to vote a certain way. And I think the hardest way that people aren't really approaching is that they don't realize the amount of money that these things say overall for a society like healthcare for all. They might raise taxes a little bit, but the average person in the United States tends to spend about ten grand a year, whereas the taxes would only be a few hundred, so it would actually save everybody a significant amount of money, including any of the companies involved in healthcare. And it's showing them because the biggest argument I always see, well, how are we going to pay for it? I mean, we pay for these things with a minor increase in tax, which inevitably saves money. It saves money, helps society, because people who save money spend money, thereby creating a more of a tax income, which should be used to help the people again and again, because taxes aren't designed to profit. Legislators' taxes are designed to help people. So, um, kind of... Sorry. Oh, no, 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 sorry. I, didn't, uh, I just, uh, I didn't know if you were done with your question. I, I, I thought, but no, continue. Well, it's convincing them that this isn't something that's going to take away money from everybody because it's not. You think trans legislation is a human rights issue and a lot of people tell me I'm not human because I'm a trans person. And that's not true. And that's something... To I haven't quite figured out how to convince people of supporting trans legislation yet because the views on that are crazy. Healthcare for all, that's something that saves the country money in the long run. And convincing the people of that, convincing legislators of that, that's, that's a big and important thing because everybody deserves healthcare. It's a human right. Um, now, um, uh, recently, uh, there, uh, there's been talk um, of, uh, uh, Cory Booker, uh, the New Jersey Senator Democrat and Kamala Harris, uh, California Senator, another Democrat, both of which are candidates for president right now, uh, have both, uh, floated, uh, the idea of, uh, reparations, uh, for black people during slavery. Um, now, uh, Bernie Sanders in the past uh, has said uh, that he uh, would oppose such legislation. What are your thoughts on it? I would definitely support that idea. I would even go as far as to say that the Native American cultures also deserve that same reparation because we took just as much from them and we slaughtered on a genocidal level both the black community in slavery and the Native American community in invading land. So I think that that may not even be enough to pay back for what America's done this country and I think that that's definitely a little more progressive than a lot of people want to go but I support the idea for sure um now if uh say Jared Golden uh loses next year um it's a big if especially since it's really early but let's say that happens let's say that there's uh a Republican maybe similar to Bruce Poliquin that ends up getting in. Um, and on the same night, you end up uh, winning. You defeat uh, Susan Collins. Uh, you defeat the Democrat. Um, do you believe um, that if the occasion arose, you could work uh, with said Republican congressman? Well, I think that 
if it really works for the benefit of the state, then absolutely. Oh. I don't have a problem with working with people in parties. It's the fact that my main interest is making my state better, making my country better. And I'm willing to work with anybody who's willing to do that. And depending on who it is, Bruce Falcon is notoriously difficult to work with, but if he was willing to work on something that was actually beneficial, I would work with him. Because my personal feelings about him and how he legislates doesn't necessarily affect the fact that sometimes he does good things. All right. Uh, why don't we get into uh, the news then? Uh, so the first story, uh, as most people have probably heard uh, recently, uh, is about Joe Biden. Uh, multiple uh, people uh, have come out uh, and uh, accused, or mo- multiple women have come out and accused him uh, of making them feel uh, uncomfortable. Um Biden uh, initially said uh, that he, uh, or initially, uh, he put out a statement blaming uh, uh, right-wingers and the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, for this uh, incident, uh, though he later uh, apologized uh, for, um, uh, he he later apologized um, for, uh, what he did uh, in a video uh, via social media. Um, what were your thoughts on the controversy, uh, and what were your thoughts on the video itself? I think that, I mean, if he considers himself to be innocent instead of attacking, attacking people, he should be willing to open himself up to an investigation because an innocent person, just like the president, an innocent person doesn't hide things. They just, if you're concerned and you're innocent, let people look into it, and and these accusations are are important. They're serious, and people should find out what the truth is and respond accordingly. All right. Um. So, uh, one other uh thing, uh, or one other story, uh, this week, uh, Bill Barr, uh, now saying, uh, that. Uh, he or he testified uh, in front of Congress this week. Um, he is now saying uh, very soon he plans uh, to um, uh, very soon he plans to release a redacted uh, version uh, of the Mueller uh, report, uh, which um, he says the reason that he cannot release the full report. Uh, is because, or right now he is claiming it is because of a rule that Democrats uh, came up with uh, in the 90s during the Ken Starr uh, investigation. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I think that since the public tax money was used to pay for the report, the public has a right to see the entire report. A similar thing happened with Richard Nixon. He released redacted recordings, and then when the original recordings were found, it was found that he redacted everything that made him look bad. So it's like, I feel like it's a similar situation. And I know that both Democrats and Republicans in the House voted to support releasing the entire report untouched. The fact that they stood in the way of that and are not willing to release the entire report shows that there's some type of guilt that they're trying to hide. If they're not trying to hide anything, then what's the problem? How I look at it. So I think the entire report should be released to the public. As it is. All right. 
Um, so, uh, why don't we, uh, continue on then? Uh, so right now, uh, there are multiple, uh, updates, uh, in, uh, the, uh, right now there are multiple, uh, updates, uh, in regards to the 2020 Senate races, uh, multiple updates, uh, obviously, um, uh, Democrats would like to take back the Senate, uh, they need three, uh, seats, uh, if they want to get back the Senate, uh, they need, uh, uh, or they need three seats if, uh, they win the presidency, um, they need to gain four seats, uh, if they lose, uh, the presidency, um, so, uh, right now, uh, in one of the races they are targeting Georgia, uh, many rumors, uh, right now there are multiple rumors about Stacey Abrams, uh, the, a uh, Democrat who ran for governor of Georgia in 2018, potentially running. Also, there are rumors that she might run for president. Um, but as of right now, uh, Teresa Thompson, uh, the former mayor of Columbus, Georgia, uh, is now um, the first uh, major candidate to uh, form uh, an exploratory uh, committee uh, to run for uh, Senate in Georgia against David Perdue. Um, he is the incumbent. He's running for a second term. Um, and right now, uh, in the Alabama 2020 uh, Senate race, um, this is, of course, a seat Republicans uh, are targeting very heavily. This is a state that uh, both Mitt Romney and Donald Trump carried by over uh, 20 points uh, in 2012 uh, and 2016. Uh, right now, uh, the former Auburn's Tiger football head coach, uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy Tuberville, uh, has announced that he is going to run as a Republican uh, against uh, uh, for that seat. Of course, Doug Jones is the incumbent. Uh, he won uh, a special election uh, in 2017 in an upset and defeated Roy Moore. Now uh, he is hoping uh, to uh, win a full term. Uh, what are your thoughts on these updates? I think it's good that people that aren't Republican are running. I don't know much about the people themselves because I'm focusing pretty heavily on just local issues here in Maine. But... I think that 2020 is going to be a rough election all around. I think it's going to be very aggressive. There's going to be a lot of people involved. Um, I'm interested to see how it all pans out. I really hope that the Democrats are able to take back the seats that they need because the GOP has too much power right now and it's causing so many issues all around the country and around the world. I don't want to see a world war. That's what it's starting to look like. I don't like that. So we need to put some control in there. All right. Um, so um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the presidential race right now. Um, so uh, earlier this week, uh, Eric Swalwell, uh, or Congressman Eric Swalwell, uh, Democrat, uh, from California, uh, 
entered, uh, announced his candidacy uh, for uh, president in 2020. Uh, we also know that Tim Ryan, uh, the Ohio congressman, uh, is now saying that he is going to run. He has not launched a campaign yet. Um, he also uh, has not officially filed yet. Um, however, he is uh, now saying uh, that he is uh, going to uh, run. Uh, he, he has confirmed that he does plan to run uh, for president uh, in 2000. Uh, and 20. Also, we do have a new poll out of Iowa that came out earlier today, uh, which shows that uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, now coming in third uh, behind uh, Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden and uh, Delaware, uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's fun to see for best candidate Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg is probably the ones I like the most out of all of those. And I think they have a good chance. And my, my concern with the presidential election is the, the kind of following that Donald Trump has is a very aggressive, very assertive one. And not a lot of people that vote for him at this point that would vote for him are people that really are going to think about who they want to vote for or look at any of the issues. But I think the big problem with this upcoming presidential election isn't going to be convinced, isn't going to be like, who's the best candidate to run against him? It's convincing people to vote on the issues and not on the person. And I don't know why so many people support the current president. He is not, I don't know the word to use, he's not a good president. <laughs> and, like, I like the idea of somebody who is an eloquent and moderately experienced in politics and who isn't racist. So, you know, those are the two that I like for the presidency. And Joe Biden's a little weird. He has a history of some conservative views, although he was a really good vice president, and I don't think it would be bad if he were to take up the lead for the Democratic Party, but we'll see. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, if Joe Biden uh, ends up being the nominee, and it's a long time away, but right now we have seen, uh, even after these allegations uh, came out about him, that he is still consistently number one uh, in uh, the majority uh, of the polling. Um, do you, if Biden does end up being the nominee, uh, would you be willing uh, to vote for him in the general election? That's to be seen. I, this whole accusation thing hasn't quite been resolved to the point where I'm quite content with it yet. So I'm kind of waiting to see how that pans out before I really throw my support in because. And I know that I work a lot with people who are survivors of sexual assault in the community that I take care of around Maine. And so the thought of somebody being in there who might be guilty of things like that 
I'm kind of waiting to see how this goes and how he handles that and what results from it. All right. Uh, why don't we move on to the next story then? Uh, so this was the big story of the week. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, now uh, being re-elected uh, to a uh, another term uh, as a fifth term uh, as uh, Prime Minister of Israel. Uh, he had a very, uh, very tough uh, battle uh, for re-election this, this time around. Uh, again, uh, he was indicted uh, right before the election was held on corruption uh, charges. Um, and uh, this time he had a pretty uh, close... Race. Let me see if I can pull up uh, the results. He was running against a more moderate uh, candidate. Um, but yes, it looks like he has narrowly defeated uh, uh, Benny uh, Gantz, uh, the, uh, uh, the moderate uh, opponent... Uh, who is a part of the Blue and White Party uh, of Israel. Um, his party gained uh, 24 seats in the legislature. Um, right now, this me- right now uh, uh, Netanyahu's party, uh, the Likud party, uh, now has a one-seat uh, advantage uh, in uh, the in the uh, Israeli state legislature. What are your thoughts uh, on Netanyahu uh, winning re-election? I think it's scary, especially the fact that somebody gets indicted for corruption and still did it just be able to get into office is kind of a glaring issue. And the whole situation, and like that whole Middle East area, especially what's going on with the, the, the Civil War, Gaza Strip, all of that. I think that's something a little more moderate, something to handle anything in the Middle East, a little bit more of a less corrupt way, and a less violent way, and again, somebody who's indicted for corruption should should be disqualified from running for office, no matter what country they're in. A sign of a bad leader. People who, people who lead in a good way don't get in trouble for corruption. They don't support violence around the world. They don't support violence in their own country. I'm not impressed with it, but I also don't promise too much of a surprise. All right. Um, so why don't we move on then? So uh, this week, uh, Kirsten Nielsen... Uh, Kirsten Nielsen was, of course, uh, Trump's Homeland Security uh, advisor. Um, she uh, resigned uh, this past week, uh, and she was replaced uh, by uh, Kevin Alinen, uh, 
who is going who, well, right now he's the acting secretary of homeland security he's not the permanent one but he is the acting one as of this moment um and uh so uh, that's what we heard uh regarding uh that we also know as of today uh Claire uh Grady uh the uh acting uh DHS secretary uh has also uh, resigned. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, uh, all these people resigning? Uh, I would say to use a, uh, unsavory analogy, it's like rats fleeing a sinking ship. And, like, these people are responsible for horrific things, and they're seeing a lot of pushback, and... I feel like the amount of infamy that's going to result in the future from this presidency, a lot of people are starting to try and pull out of the administration because they don't want to be a part of that anymore. And that's an impressive amount of corruption to get people like them to kind of just leave. And I don't think anyone he appoints is going to be any better. And But I'm just, I'm watching all of these people come and go, and it's no wonder nothing in our government functions properly right now because there's people coming and going every few weeks and you can't function that way especially with a president who doesn't even know what he's doing all right uh let me just check real quickly Um, let me just check one thing. All right, so the next uh, story uh, is uh, uh, surrounding uh, Julian Assange, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the founder of WikiLeaks uh, and the whistleblower. Um, he was uh, arrested uh at the uh, at the Ukraine uh, the Ukrainian uh, the Ecuadorian uh, sorry the Ecuadorian uh, embassy he was arrested there um, and uh, right now it's looking like he could face at least up to twelve months in British prison um, but then he was later uh, arrested at the request uh, of the U S. Uh, uh, of the uh, of the U.S. government. Um, so, what are your thoughts on uh, Assange being arrested? I think it sets a scary precedent, especially for members of the press who report honest and open information. The fact that somebody who ran a website based on whistleblowing, who in the United States we actually have red legislation in place to protect people with the blow that's been ignored through this entire thing with people like Assange and with Chelsea Manning and it sets the precedent so if this person can be charged for reporting things that the government is doing wrong what does that do for the precedent related to people in the press who want to promote honest pieces when they put pieces out negative to the government, what's stopping the government from also arresting them? I don't like the precedent that it does. I think it's very dangerous. All right. Um, 
All right, so I think, let me just check real quick. Uh, okay, um, uh, I think uh, that uh, might be it. Uh, so thank you for joining me. Uh, before we sign off, uh, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media? Uh, I'm actually most active on Twitter. Right. Which would be twitter.com slash lady underscore Van Helsing. All right. Um, thank you. Uh, good luck with your campaign. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank Bye. you. Have a great night. You as well. Truth. Justice. Decency. Equality. Freedom. Democracy. She is a frontrunner for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. She's been at odds with Trump on multiple occasions. You'll accuse me of lying, so I need to be correct as best I can. I do want you to be honest. And I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. This is Kamala Harris, and this is her story. The candidates. Donald Trump has got to be defeated, and I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America, making sure that that happens. Their stories. We got a real opportunity to build something. And their fight for the White House. Keep America great! Exclamation point. Keep America great. This is Presidential Profile 2020. At that inflection moment, where were you? This is that moment. It's our job to remind the American people that we're looking out for them. So all of you, showing the country how you do this. The special interests and the powerful have such an outsized influence and outcome to restore our democracy. Kamala Devi Harris was born on October 20th, 1964, to Tamil and Shamla in Oakland, California. Kamala, who is mixed race, is of Jamaican descent. Kamala's name is a Sanskrit word for locust flower. She has one sibling, Maya. The family resided in Berkeley until Kamala was seven years old when her parents got a divorce. Shamala received custody of Kamala. Harris graduated from the University of California. As an adult, Harris took an interest in law. She was Deputy Attorney General for Almeda County from 1990 to 1998, until 2004 when she ran for San Francisco District Attorney. She defeated two-term incumbent Terrence Hoannon. In April of that year, Isaac Espinoza, a San Francisco police department officer was murdered. Harris controversially opted not to seek the death penalty for his murderer. Eventually, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who previously served as the city's mayor, encouraged Harris to seek the death penalty, but Harris still declined to do so. Eventually, Espinoza's killer was given life in prison. Harris founded the Back on Track initiative to get nonviolent drug offenders a second chance. The program was controversial as illegal immigrants were a part of it. However, Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger eventually signed it into law. 
Harris ran unopposed in 2007 for re-election. In 2008, rumors spread that Harris could be making a run for the presidency. She instead supported Illinois Senator Barack Obama over New York Senator and former First Lady Hillary Clinton. In 2008, Harris announced her candidacy for Attorney General of California in 2010. She faced off against Republican Los Angeles District Attorney Steve Cooley. A favorable year for Republicans made the race down to the wire. On election night, Jerry Brown defeated Meg Whitman easily in the gubernatorial election, and Barbara Boxer took down Carly Fiorina in the U.S. Senate race. This gave Harris a slight boost. On election day, she defeated Cooley by a narrow 46 to 45 percent margin. As attorney general, she took a more tough-on-crime approach, supporting the death penalty more often and enforcing strict anti-prostitution laws. I've been consistent my whole career. Um, my career has been based on an understanding, one, that as a prosecutor, my duty was to seek and make sure that the most vulnerable and voiceless among us are protected. And that is why I have personally prosecuted violent crime that includes rape, child molestation, and homicide. In 2014, Harris ran for re-election and faced off against former California Deputy Attorney General Ronald Gold, who ran as a Republican. She beat him by a comfortable 57 to 42 percent margin. In 2016, Harris was rumored to be chosen as the running mate to former Secretary of State, former New York Senator, and former First Lady Hillary Clinton, who was running on the Democratic line for president against Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. However, Harris declined the opportunity, instead running for the U.S. Senate seat left vacant by retiring Democrat Barbara Boxer. Harris faced one Democrat in the general election, Congresswoman Loretta Sanchez. Harris defeated Sanchez by a landslide 61 to 38 percent margin. Upon joining the U.S. Senate, she became a harsh critic of President Donald Trump. She came to promise for her scathing questions towards Trump cabinet picks. But if that parent has a four-year-old child, what do you plan on doing with that child? The child under law goes to HHS for care and custody. They will be separated from their parent. Just and like so my we do question, in the United States so, every day. So they will be separated from their parent. In the Senate, Harris supported Medicare for All and took a fiscally and socially liberal stance on the issues. Harris became an instant rising star in the Democratic Party with many recommending her for president in 2020. And in January 2019, Harris officially made her announcement on ABC's Good Morning America. First elected to the Senate in 2016 after 20 years as a prosecutor, including stints as the District Attorney for San Francisco and Attorney General of California. And Senator Harris has also been laying the groundwork for a run for the White House. It is great to have you with us on this special holiday. Do you have an announcement you'd like to make? I am running for president of the United States. Well, and, <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. You, you mentioned polls showed Harris amongst the top three Democrats nationally, along with former Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden and Vermont Senator and former Congressman Bernie Sanders. Now she hopes to be the first woman president.
And I believe for all of us, history will say, and our children and our grandchildren will ask at that inflection moment, where were you? Stay tuned to Politics Weekly every Tuesday and now President Review every Friday for new segments for Presidential Profiles 2020.